are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. There are only a few certainties in life, death, taxes, and way too many Twitter questions for one power to the pod each week. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. And on this Wednesday edition of the show, we are going to take more of your mailbag questions. Of course, the Krabs household continues to be on baby watch. And when that time comes, I will make sure your podcast is in the hopper and ready to push play. Because this damn team is not letting off the gas. Why should we here on Locked On Dolphins? Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. So we teased and alluded to this on yesterday's Power to the Pod episode 4040 editions of Power to the Pod. It's nuts. I've been almost doing the show a year now. What a blast it's been. But we are doing a, a second version, a Twitter question version of Power to the Pod, uh, given that I had 56 Twitter questions come in and about 13 iTunes <laughs> reviews over the course of the past week. Just a monstrous tidal wave, tropical swarm, whatever you want to refer to the Dolphins defense as. I'll use that nomenclature uh, to describe the amount of questions that I got from you guys this week, which, hey, what a great freaking problem to have. So we're going to take care of that. We're going to make sure we get more of your most pressing issues off our chest here this week. This is a great week to do it. We're in the buildup to Chiefs week. Friday, we're going to talk about building a blueprint to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. We still need to get into the All-22 against the Bengals and talk about the Uh, finer points of of how this offense and defense operated in the first half versus the second half. We'll get into all that this week, I promise. But right now, I'm sitting here at a list of 56 Twitter questions that I'm going to do my best to get as many in for today's extension of Power to the Pod, in which you, the Dolphins fans, determine what is on your mind, and we talk about that. First question comes from Brandon. Power to the pod. Kyle, congrats on the little one. Thank you. Do you think you could do rookie grades on last year's draft class? I will, but I will not do it until the end of the season. I want to get that full body of work. I want to see what this full first season looks like for everybody, especially for Austin Jackson to a Tungvalu. I think Robert Hunt is important to see more of as well. I can tell you right now, Noah Igbenogany, I'm not surprised and he's been a little slow to get started. We knew he was raw coming out of Auburn. Raquan Davis has been a stud. Brandon Jones has been very good. Solomon Kinley. Once you get in the fourth round, you get a starter, you get a steal. Period. Point blank period. No questions asked. Blake Ferguson. Hey. Malcolm Perry. Are we going to uh, wrangle in Lynn Bowden and have him be a part of this rookie class? I think there's a lot over the course of the last month that needs to be answered. But I can tell you, you should definitely be optimistic about your rookie class. Dan, what was it about the no huddle that made the Dolphins work so much better in the second half of the Bengals game? And will we see more of that going forward? Okay, so Chan Gailey met this morning, this morning, on Tuesday morning. I'm recording on Tuesday. 
with the South Florida media and discussed and mentioned that uh, there's a tightrope you have to walk with no huddle. And the benefit is it prevents defenses from getting their calls in. And it makes things happen quicker. The downside is for a rookie quarterback, it makes things happen quicker and you have less time to process what the defense is trying to do. So I guess with a quarterback who is a little bit more instinctual with feel the way that Tua Tagovailoa does, it makes sense that like he operates well in that environment. Um, there are sure to be mistakes that are made, trap coverages, teams that are prepared for the no huddle, etc., etc., etc. But Changele did say the no huddle will be a more prominent part of what the Dolphins do moving forward. So you should be encouraged by that. Tone Toto. I know we don't talk draft when we're on the cusp, or we shouldn't talk draft when we're on the cusp of the playoffs, but would you be opposed to Miami adding both Waddle and Smith in the first round from Alabama? Uh, love the show and go Bilt Bar. Amen to that. Short answer is no. I'm not adverse to whatever we need to do to make sure that Tua Tagovailoa has the best version of skill players surrounding him uh, that we possibly can. Uh, Toad Toto, I see you have another one here. Couldn't help the double dip. I respect the hustle. Uh, you also asked, how did you feel when you saw Flores come onto the field? Could this be the moment that symbolically turns this franchise around? And I said it on Monday. I think about Adam Gase. I think about Joe Philbin. Neither one of those dudes is doing that. Brian Flores is different. We've known he's different. But, yeah, this is like you need those kind of like hallmark moments that you can point to. I think this was one of those and can be one of those for the Brian Flores era in Miami. Kyle wants to know what the national perspective of this team becomes if we beat the Chiefs and Tua plays well. Uh, if the Dolphins beat the Chiefs and Tua plays well, um, the perception of this team is going to far exceed reality. And what I mean by that is this is a team that has its fair share of flaws. This is a team that I would anticipate uh, is going to be given problems with uh, any team that they catch in the postseason. It's just the way it is. Uh, a team like Tennessee is interesting because they run the ball. They'll run all over Miami. But... Their defense is terrible, okay? So can you catch lightning in a bottle and force enough mistakes from Ryan Tannehill to steal a win? Buffalo Bills, we've already played this team. We lost him. We let him off the hook, whatever. Byron Jones didn't play. I'm not getting going down that rabbit hole right now. Pittsburgh, uh, that would be a defensive struggle of defensive struggles. Miami would have a hard time moving the ball with consistency. Uh, they can really heat you up with the pass rush. Kansas City, Miami is a team, I will say this, that can beat any given team in the NFL on any given week. I have enough confidence in the coaching staff, I have enough confidence in the defense and the special teams, and I have enough confidence that Tua has the ceiling that he could get you there. You could win any game in any given week. And that's why I'm excited to see what it looks like against Kansas City. But if you beat Kansas City and the expectation becomes, well, the Dolphins are 9-4. and four. They just beat Kansas City. This is a Super Bowl. Let's slow the roll. with this. Let's win a playoff game before we start talking about being Super Bowl contenders, please. And I'm all for that 
level of respect. You got to earn respect. But you get respect too quickly, and you have a game like what happened against Denver with the Broncos shows up. So I'm looking forward to Miami. I don't think they'll get washed. I think this will be a closer game than people probably realize. I think the Dolphins will cover the spread, which last I saw was seven and a half. Can you make those few plays? Can you do what the Colts did to them last year? Because the Colts held them to like 10 points last year and won a game. Kansas City is not whitewashing teams right now. I'm excited. I am legitimately very excited. Uh, Alejo, how bad would it be losing row with Kelsey coming to South Florida? Uh, be, it would be as bad as, as losing any other player in the secondary. Uh, fortunately, it, it seems like Rowe, uh, he came back into the games uh, this past weekend in Cincinnati, so we would anticipate that he's healthy uh, and he will be good to go. Uh, Miami needs all hands on deck, especially in the secondary because of all the mismatches. So Miami playing a lot of man coverage. Okay, Bobby's going to be single high. It's probably going to be a lot of one high. Man coverage is what I would expect we see. Uh, the challenge is, okay, what happens when you got a shade over towards Tyreek Hill because they're going to push you vertically down the field? Does Xavier Howard play on the ball? Does he play off the ball? You can ask him to turn and run in space. That, that's where it gets really dicey for me. But, uh, yeah, Eric Rowe, his ability to cover tight ends is massive for this team, and, and missing that would be problematic for the Dolphins, no question about it. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less. Up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. Next on the docket, let's see. We got one from Tua Knows the Flows, the Flow Says. Asian Dolphin, what's up, man? You've probably set up a podcast for this, but what's one thing Chan needs to do to get this offense going against the Chiefs? Well, I think the first thing we needed was to make sure we were going to have Devontae Parker available to us, and, and that seems to have materialized. Uh, pour one out for Sean Williams. Dirty player. Got suspended a game for Cincinnati. Only suspension that I'm aware of stemming from everything that happened in South Florida. Please excuse me while I sip this Kermit tea. You hate to see it. Hate to see a guy lose his paycheck for a week because he thought it was necessary to step on another human being's leg. Um, what, what was the question? Uh, one thing Chan Gailey needs to do to get this offense going against the Chiefs. Mike's going to have a tough matchup this week. You look at the matchups that you can play against the Chiefs defense. Their pass rush is not overwhelming. 
if they try to blitz, I'm still going to be a super big proponent of running, drive, and mesh and these concepts that involve that shallow crosser. Uh, Miami runs it intermittently, uh, but they don't do a lot of stuff coming from one side of the field to the other in the shallow areas of the field. The touch pass was really nice. I'd like to see some more layers off the touch pass. I think Miami can get very exotic. And if Miami has anything lying in the weeds, anything in the back of the playbook that you got to dust off and teach and it's misdirection or sleight of hand, this is the week. This is the week to bust them out. David wants to know, 8-4 and four, but incredibly tough remaining schedule. What is the, your outlook on this? If this Dolphins team is who we think they are, I think you get two wins. I can't say which ones they are. And if the Dolphins go 1-2 and two in the first three games and Buffalo's clinched, we might get a cheap win against Buffalo Week 17 because they're locked into a playoff spot. They clinch the division and they're going to sit their starters. I'm going to be honest with you. If it plays out that way, I will not care. I don't care. We, as an organization and a fan base, have not had enough sustained success to turn up our nose at any kind of win, any caliber of win, no matter what way it comes. Firmly believe it. So if that means Buffalo starts Matt Barkley and sits Tredavious White and X and O and half their offense, okay. I expect, especially because that dynamic is in play, if Miami does struggle, if they go one and two, I don't anticipate 0-3. A hard time seeing this Dolphins team with as well-coached as they are. you got two games at home in the next two games, and then you got a Raiders team that, that needed a miracle to beat the Jets. I have a really hard time seeing 0-3. So if they flop, they go 1-2 and in the next three games. Buffalo clinches the division. I think that the avenue there is pretty easy to get the layup win against the Bills Week 17. And if that's the way that it is, fine. We'll, we'll take the layup win. We'll make the playoffs, hopefully, and we'll play Buffalo. We'll see you again next week in Buffalo, and we'll play all the starters, and we'll see how it goes. That's my, my expectation's 10 now. I said before the season 9-7, and seven, I think I had us 8-4, and four, uh, but I didn't see us going 7-1 and one and, and taking care of business the way that we have in some of these games. So 10, 10 wins is the expectation. Leighton wants to know if Eric Flowers' absence uh, created the discovery of a better offensive line combination. Seemed like things picked up in the run game and pass pro when Kinley shifted over and Davis went in at right guard. Yeah, I think it helps that Davis had the chemistry with Robert Hunt and uh, Ted Karras playing there at guard. He's played there before in significant stretches of the season. Um, I think Kinley probably does have a better ceiling than Flowers. I think Flowers, with his experience, probably has a higher floor. But Flowers is a, a physically limited player as far as his leverage and his length to play inside at guard. That's tough. You know, having long arms the way that Eric Flowers does, who's drafting the top 10 as an offensive tackle, uh, really struggled with the redirection ability because he's fairly tight in the hips, tight in the core. You see that for Flowers at times as well. And, and quick twitch guys on the interior, a guy like Chris Jones potentially, uh, can create some problems. I know Quinn and Williams gave, gave Flowers fits a couple of times against the Jets. Um, Kinley, I think, has is a little bit more compact and a little bit more condensed. He's better in the phone booth as far as like his consistency and his timing. 
and his ability to get his frame behind him. Uh, but Flowers is a little bit savvier, um, probably a little bit more effective as a puller because he's a little bit more athletic than what Solomon is. So there, there's give and take there. But if you want to run downhill and you're willing to pull Jesse Davis and come to the left side, uh, I, I think there is some potential there to see it, what a different blend uh, offensive line looks like. But with that said, I'm hoping for the best for and for Eric Flowers to be healthy ASAP and to allow the Dolphins to then evaluate what the best combination of five looks like. Tom, do you think we should be locking down Agba to a long-term contract ASAP? I do. Um, you, know, you don't, you don't want to overpay and make a mistake. But you can certainly structure these contracts, and that's something that we talked about yesterday on the show as far as how you structure the contact. contract is going to leave you the flexibility that you need to stay fluid and take information as it comes. Cintrons, uh, we see the flashes, but could Mike Gusecki be closer to that top tier of tight ends if he saw the tam- same target share as Travis Kelsey? They're different players. Uh, Mike is more of a true receiver. I think Kelsey's more versatile. I think he's a little bit better in in yards after the catch. He's a little bit more athletic in not just straight lines, uh, but Mike is definitely explosive in straight lines. Uh, But yes, I I think if he wasn't an offense that made the tight end one of the focal points, and maybe Tua Tagovailoa does that as he continues to establish rapport and learns what Mike's catch radius looks like, that is perhaps uh, a, an increased final month of the season. That's why uh, if somebody asked me to do the rookies. I, I don't want to do any evaluations or report cards on players uh, at the three-quarter mark. We were going to do it at halfway point. That makes sense. Uh, but now feels like we're really in a critical window for this team where I want to see what the finished product looks like. If Miami signs a wide receiver like Juju Smith-Schuster in the offseason, do they still use a first-round pick on a wide receiver? I would say this depends on who's on the board. The appeal of signing any player at any position in free agency is it gives you the flexibility to just simply draft good football players. And that is uh, the new dynamic that I would expect we'll probably see more of from Miami. Uh, they, they chose to do it when they identified Raquan Davis as a pick. Just pick a good football player that's a good fit for our style of play. They did that, and that's paying big-time dividends. They also did it with Noah Igbenogany. Uh, I'm not going to panic about Noah because you look at Jeff Okuda in Detroit. You look at C.J. Henderson in Florida. Both of those guys were like top 15 picks, top 10 picks, and they both stink right now. It's just kind of you got to be a really special corner to come in and ball out year one. Uh, Shane, hard-hitting, very difficult, hypothetical here. Would you rather beat Buffalo in Week 17 and win the division but get bounced in the first round or lose to Buffalo but make it to the second round before losing in the playoffs? So we make the playoffs in both scenarios. You beat Buffalo but you, you lose your playoff game or you lose to Buffalo and win a playoff game before you lose. Oh, Lordy. Shane, this is impossibly difficult to answer. <laughs> this is the first, legitimately the first time I'm reading it. And, um, oh, man. I guess the objective is to win 
playoff games, right? You know, a division title's nice. It kind of goes in your, your ledger and you get the, the banner for it. I'll say this. Losing a home playoff game would hurt. A lot. Man, I can't choose. Give me the division title. Give me the division title. Home playoff game, that would suck. That would suck so bad. But I think it was, I'm going to stick with it. Okay. Uh, Danny, Coach Flo versus Bengals Mike Thomas. Who wins? And how long would it take Coach Flo to beat him? Uh, Coach Flo would tap Mike Thomas in 10 seconds. No doubt about it. Dude was out for blood. Wally, love the show. My concern with our DBs is they seem to struggle with speed, and that's Kansas City's strength. Can our secondary limit Kansas City's wide receivers similarly like Denver did? I think over-the-top help will leave Kelsey wide open all day. This is why I think we'll probably see a lot of man. Um, I think you're probably going to shade Bobby McCain over the top of whatever side Tyreek Hill's on. I think you do have to some degree play matchups with these guys. I don't think you can just go, okay, I'm going to take outside and Nick, you're in the slot. Uh, because Kansas City will then put Tyreek in the slot and they'll run this deep over out and they will kill you all day long with it. I wouldn't be surprised if we get half and half. Half the field, you know, to the trip side, we're running this. To the, the ISO side on the back side, we're running this. I, I don't think you can just play true, straight anything and have anywhere close to the answers. Um, it will be interesting to see if Miami tries to copy uh, the Bills' plan of approach when they played them and gave them a really good game. Buffalo effectively said, hey, we're going to let you run the football. We want to take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. And we're going to try to do that by sustaining drives by our offense, but we're also going to try to do that by allowing you to run the football. And then once the field gets more congested, then we're going to try and force you into mistakes and trade touchdowns for field goals. Strategically, it makes sense. Uh, the concern with Miami is I don't think their personnel on the second level uh, is quite to the level of what Buffalo had. Uh, so you have to find the answers for that. So that's where I look at Nick Needham. Eric Rowe, these guys are going to have to have big games. Really, Jerome Baker, like, you guys got a ball out for us to have a chance in this game. Jack, as I indicated, why are there virtually zero play calls where our athletic mobile quarterback is moved around the pocket given the opportunity to roll out on design QB runs with two rolling towards an isolated receiver with an option to throw a run depending on how the defender reacts? Jack, there, there's... I've seen this in this Dolphins playbook, especially early on. First three weeks of Tua starts were very heavy in the rollouts. They like to roll to the left. They'll have the outside wide receiver to the left side of the field run a deep comeback. They'll run a back out of the backfield or a tight end coming across as though he was they were running inside zone. And he leaks into the flat. And then the other backside receiver, whether it's Devontae Parker or Mike Gusecki, that's that's a tight split on the backside of the play, is running the over route. So you got three-level read. You go flat to cross to come back. Boom, boom, boom. And um, 
This was the play against the Chargers. Remember, Tua double-clutched and then threw to Mike for like the 20-yard game on the opening possession? That's the concept. They, they've done that a fair amount. Now, I understand what you're saying where you want more of a, a one-on-one and you want to run him. I don't think they want to run Tua all that much. Now, they, they had the speed option play in the playbook against the Jets, and they called it with Fitz, and uh, they got 12 yards. And Robert Hunt blocked it beautifully with the option. I just don't know that necessarily they want to, you know, they've rolled him out, but I don't think they want to feature him as a runner. I don't think they want to expose him to even the temptation at times to run. And is that being too conservative with your quarterback at times? Maybe, but I would rather have them be too conservative than too reckless. Because look what being too reckless with a quarterback and asking him to throw 45 times a game did for Joe Burrow. Chris, does the recent uptick in penalties concern you? Mm. No. Not necessarily because you your your patience is tested, right? And I think it does maybe show like a, a little bit of confidence and swagger in who this team is. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, when you put the Dolphins through the scope of the NFL's most penalized teams... Uh, Miami's still fourth with 4.8. In their last three games, Miami is still in the top 10. They're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're ninth in the NFL in the last three games in penalties accepted against them as a team. Uh, 5.3. So, yeah, they had an ugly, sloppy game against... Cincinnati for a team that seemed committed to just, you know, low blow after low blow after low blow. And at some point you put your foot down and you say, enough's enough. We're not going to be your punching bag for 60 minutes. So I think there were some good penalties, to be honest with you, against Cincinnati. Kyle wants to know, we always run up the middle. Why do we not incorporate any toss plays or runs to the outside? Feels like with small shifty backs we have, they could burn the outside. Yeah, this, I mean, Matt Burita feasted in San Francisco in the the outside and wide zones. Uh, The problem is the Dolphins personnel on the offensive line, you average 330 across the front. You don't have the range to get out there and string guys out for 15, 20 yards laterally and hold your blocks. Uh, Miami's issues with the run game and running downhill between the tackles, they wanted to be that. They brought Jordan Howard in to do that. That was He was supposed to be the starter. Uh, but the unfortunate reality is the offensive line, There's you know, whether it's physical limitations, a lot of technical issues with the young guys, the three rookies, uh, they, they need to get their hands fit and hold on to blocks longer. You can pop somebody as long as you want, but if you don't hold on to the block for more than half a second, back's not going to get through that hole. So the the direction that they've gone as a team building is is pretty clear in that we want to run downhill at you, but they swung and missed on their, their back. And we talked about that yesterday on the show. So if you missed that, Kyle, make sure you check out yesterday's show in which we talk about why I'm okay with Miami swinging and missing on a couple of players because of how they swung and, and missed. Joe, last question. You guys are awesome. Two more. I'll bring two more. I'll bring two more. 
Joe wants to know, any chance we get Isaiah Ford or Kenny Stills back? I think the way Kenny Stills left probably shut the door on that happening. Uh, it seemed like there were some hard feelings there on both sides. Isaiah Ford, uh, I'll be interested in if they, they do claim it. You know, I'm, I'm recording on Tuesday morning, so you know maybe the news comes through by the time this hits the airwaves on Wednesday, but um, reasonable chance, I would say, you know, if, if they're not comfortable. But I will say this, tip of the cap to Lynn Bowden, man. I said it on Monday. He has really made an impression on me with what he did with his big opportunity in week 13 against the Bengals. Joey wants to know, why do we not run with Chandler Cox lead blocking more? Uh, He was a pretty big fixture early on in the season until it became apparent that uh, probably one out of every two reps for Chandler, he either completely whiffed on the block and ended up on the ground or he hit him and bounced right off. Um, If they're going to use a fullback, they need a better fullback, in my opinion. Uh, Chandler, he's got some nice, nice athleticism. He showed some receiving chops at Auburn with the limited opportunities that he had. Certainly fits the mark as as far as his build. Uh, but Chandler concerned me when you're watching and diagramming the tapes and, and he's got a guy one-on-one in the hole and he either catches him flush and he completely destroys the block or he does nothing with it. And I think they need I think they value consistency and reliability and, and because he has not been consistent in getting on his blocks, that's why I think we have not seen Chandler Cox more. Listen, that, that's two mailbags down this week, guys. Uh, and, and you guys had plenty more questions that we could have gotten into. Um, so thank you all so much for in, engaging and listening. And um, I'm very excited for what the offseason has for the Dolphins, what the rest of the season has for the Dolphins. The big test this Sunday, we'll have another Dolphins fan in the world by then. Um the rest of this week, listen, we got to talk all 22. I got to break down what I saw when I watched uh, the Bengals and Chargers offensive all 22 doing the charting project. And of course, the defensive side of the football, hoping to get our stars aligned with Locked On Chiefs for a crossover series as well. And then on Friday, we build our blueprint to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs in week 14. So we have a great week ahead of us. Hit subscribe on the podcast. Come back and see us. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks as always, guys.